The following is brought to you by Dustin Campbell, Daily Tech News Show, Andy Beach, Nick Wood, Will Harris, and Craig. Welcome, everybody, to the Politics, Politics, Politics podcast for Wednesday, May 19th, 2021. It's your old pal, Justin Robert Young. A lot to go over today. We are daring. Do we dare? Dare? Dare shall we? To delve into the Israeli-Palestinian conflict? Well, Yes-ish. <laughs> We're going to talk about Joe Biden's reaction to it and some of the fault lines that are emerging within the Democratic Party, whether or not it will have ramifications going forward, including looking at 2022 and the midterm races there. Speaking of those, we have new challengers to big brand Name stepping into big, hairy races in 2022. We will tell you who they are and where they are planning on running. Also today, we are going to have my mom return to the show. And this is a format of interview that I'm curious if you guys like because I'd be interested in going forward with it with some of our favorite people and uh, uh, those that would dare to be honest on one key subject, who you voted for for president and why. This is simultaneously kind of a, a biography of my mom's life as she goes through not only what she was interested in and fired up for, but also her first opinions and lingering thoughts of presidents from Carter to Trump, including a startling revelation that she wrote a letter to a president and got a signed letter back for which she's sending to me. You're going to hear about that a little bit later as well. Before we get going here, I want to read this email that came in from Matya. Uh, TheYoungAmerican at gmail.com is where you can always send us your letters. Matya writes, wouldn't it be great if when the CDC lifts all remaining restrictions for vaccinated individuals, Joe Biden makes a dramatic landing on a helipad of a hospital and declares mission accomplished. In your face, W! I love that idea. And please, please keep sending ideas like that to the young American at gmail.com. But first. The Middle East conflict is also a test for President Biden. Here's what he said last night. We also believe Palestinians and Israelis equally deserve to live in safety and security and enjoy equal measure of freedom, prosperity, and democracy. 
And my administration is going to continue to engage Palestinians and Israelis and other regional partners to work towards sustained calm. Quiet, intensive diplomacy. That is what Press Secretary Jen Psaki says that Joe Biden is currently doing to bring about a ceasefire in Israel. Which, of course, begs the question, what is the subtle line between quiet action in a delicate situation and, well, nothing? To be fair, the role in the United States in these situations isn't as powerful as I think some people might wish them to be. Israel, in general, views their right to defend themselves as absolute, so as long as rockets are inbound, no matter how they were provoked, Israel and the IDF will continue to level buildings in Gaza. Hamas, meanwhile, which is the ruling controlling party in the Palestinian territories, is not swayed at all by the White House. In reality, Biden's actions or lack thereof, are more immediately important based on how they are interpreted locally as opposed to how effective they could be in reality. So, obviously, we would love for violence to end. We would love for the United States to be able to be a a force that came in and settled things down. If many decades of watching these kinds of flare-ups go from bad to worse and then better again has taught us anything, is that, well, it's not that simple, at least in terms of U.S. intervention. Now, that doesn't mean that you can't be firmer. So let's understand what Biden has done. Joe Biden told Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu on Monday that he, quote unquote, supports a ceasefire. Of course, this is short of asking for a ceasefire, which would be a sketch behind demanding a ceasefire, which in turn is less than threatening foreign aid unless... A ceasefire is declared. And that, of course, isn't as potent as publicly decrying the actions of Israel as unjust. And even that is weak sauce compared to calling Israel an apartheid state. That last quote is direct from Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez's Twitter. Although... Technically, her tweet was apartheid states aren't democracies without stating the specific apartheid state. But I feel like with the context clues, we can all add two plus two and make it four. Furthermore, here she is on the Senate floor discussing the plight of the Palestinian people. And if we have historically said and committed to a role as an honest broker, then we must fulfill that role. That means we have to be honest with ourselves, with, with what our aid supports. We have to be honest and ask ourselves questions, like why we are using our veto power and the UN Security Council 
in, in preventing statements from being released about concerns for this violence alike. President and many other figures this week stated that Israel has a right to self-defense, and this is uh, a sentiment that is echoed across this body. But do Palestinians have a right to survive? Do we believe that? And if so, we have a responsibility to that as well. I say all this to illustrate that the progressive left is far more aligned with the Palestinian cause than mainstream Democrats have been over the past three decades. And and this is something that resonates in our media-shifting culture. Yes, centrist Democrats uh, tend to dominate spaces like MSNBC and CNN, but as we've discussed on this show, they often get their marching orders from what happens on Twitter. And Twitter is dominated by progressive voices. Right now, like it or not, for anybody else on the political map, Ilhan Omar, Rashida Tlaib, and Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, along with more elder statesmen and women of that movement, including Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren, can control the narrative to a certain extent online. That means that now they cannot be wrangled in by leadership to say, hey, we know you feel this certain way, but we would really love if you didn't say it out loud. Now they're going to say it out loud. And they have. And they will continue. This is compounded by the fact that progressives haven't exactly gotten a lot of wins lately. Sure, Biden passed his $1.9 trillion COVID bill, but it went off without the minimum wage hike that a lot of the progressives wanted. And the infrastructure bill, which they hope will bring along some environmental regulations, is out and out stuck in limbo. You know... Back during the primaries of 2020, when Bernie Sanders laid down his sword in the primary earlier than many hoped, the idea was that the lack of built-up acrimony, which is what the Hillary Clintons of the world blamed on Bernie continuing to run far past his legitimate ability to win, uh, caused the lack of that acrimony could bring a bridge between center left and left. And there is a bridge, you know, there is not a lot of like outward anger between the two sides now, but that bridge so far has gone one way. The center left say, give us your votes. We're in a 50-50 Senate. We don't have a gigantic room to dilly-dally in the House. So you all play good soldiers and will eventually get around to the things you want. And so 
we have ourselves an interesting little conundrum now, don't we? Will Biden adjust his messaging on this? Will he take any kind of steps that might alienate Bibi Netanyahu or Israel as a whole? Remember, these things are complicated. If you want to win Florida, Florida already has been a dicey proposition for Democrats. They've had a hard time. They've they've lost. They've they've uh, steadily misjudged some of their base in Miami Dade County, Palm Beach County, and Broward County are the other two super counties for them. Without a strong support for Israel, not to say that all Jews support Israel, but many of them that live in Broward County and Palm Beach do. And what about Senate leadership? Specifically, Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer, who's been an unrepentant Israel supporter. Will this put him at further odds of his progressive wing? And is it enough to gin up a progressive primary challenger? Maybe one who's already out on Twitter calling Israel an apartheid state. Here comes a new challenger. Oh, yeah, we got a new challenger. Andrew Giuliani. Do you guys remember? God, I'm old. Do you guys remember that there was a time when Chris Farley was doing an impression of a young, fidgety Andrew Giuliani? Does anybody else remember this? Oh, I'm ancient. I'm just very, very old. The uh, son of Giuliani has uh, come out of the Trump administration and the pants of Rudolph and plans to challenge Andrew Cuomo for the governor's mansion in 2022. I plan to run, Giuliani said. He goes further. Outside of anyone named Trump, I think I have the best chance to win and take the state back. And I think that there's an opportunity in 2022 with a wounded Democratic candidate. Whether it's going to be Governor Cuomo, whether it's going to be a radical Letitia James, or it's going to be a no-name lieutenant governor, I think there is a very, very real chance to win. I don't think so. (laughs) Now, I don't know New York state politics as well as I know other states' politics, but, but I know enough to hum a few bars. And in general, New York at large tends to not like, they like their Republicans very boring. They like them very milk toast. I like to call it Pataki flavored. Just like a, a smile and a haircut bureaucrat who is going to very quietly cut taxes while everybody else in the state can kind of forget the governor exists 
because really they just want to unwind some of the liberal things that the last super liberal governor did without the Republican governor rubbing any kind of Republicanness in everybody's face. I can't see a firebrand like Andrew Giuliani, and I can only imagine somebody that came out of the Trump coaching tree, born into the Giuliani family, is going to want to be a quiet Republican. I also have no idea whether or not he's going to raise the kind of money that he would need. To be honest, I would think he would have a better shot at, 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 the, at, at New York City's mayor. I honestly don't know why anybody would want to go to Albany. Like, not the city. I'm sure the city's lovely. But, like, nothing gets done in the state capitol. I don't know. Here comes a new challenger! Oh, yeah, one more new challenger. This one's in my, my home state. Val Demings. Representative from Orlando, former police commissioner, will run against Marco Rubio for the Senate. A reminder, there was a report a couple weeks ago saying that Val Demings was going to consider. She had all of her options open to either run against Ron DeSantis or run against Marco Rubio. And I told you guys here that if she's considering both, then she's considering neither because those are two very different races. Yes, they're both statewide, but you've got to match your strengths and weaknesses against one of these guys. And they're two different kinds of candidates. You're going to run two different kinds of races. Well, apparently she has settled and it's going to be against Marco Rubio. A top advisor to Demings compared her personal biography to Rubio this way, according to a political article by Mark Caputo. Quote, she's the daughter of a maid and a janitor who became the first black woman police chief in Orlando. He's the son of a maid and a bartender who's a career politician. Let me put my notes down for a second. Because that's stupid messaging. Who says this? Like, that makes Marco Rubio look good. Like, why would you say that, oh, they're both of humble origins? Now, look, Marco Rubio mentions the fact that he is the son of a maid and a bartender in every speech he ever gives. In fact, I would suspect that when he goes and orders at Pollo Tropical, he probably, along with a, a, a side order of plantains, mentions to the person across the counter that indeed he's the son of a maid and a bartender. So you're not going to get away from like the public knowing that, but why don't you just say we have a history in th that is different than Marco Rubio. Don't you want difference? Cause it's not like Val Demings is, is coming from a hot dog hut. She's coming from the house of representatives. She's a career politician. We continue from Caputo's reporting. Deming's uh, plans could put her on a crash course with three other Orlando area Democrats. Representative Stephanie Murphy, former Representative Alan Grayson, and former Prosecutor Aramis Ayala. 
that's a rough race. This is a very, very, very rough race. Uh, and, and I think that there's a very good chance that Demings doesn't win the primary. Now, she's a big name. Remember, she was on that short list, that fake short list that they made when they were pretending that Kamala Harris wasn't going to be the, the vice president. She's got a hand in, in whatever this process is going to be on police reform that will probably not happen. But she is leading the Democratic side of it. But still, I, I, I don't know. Rubio is going to be really, 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 really hard to beat. Because again, if you're a Democrat in Florida, you got to win Palm Beach, you got to win Broward, and you got to win Miami-Dade, and they can't be close. You have to blow out the Republicans. And Rubio is always going to have an advantage because he's a Spanish-speaking local Cuban boy. So you're not going to get that blowout that you really, really, really would benefit yourself by if you are running against Marco Rubio. And that's before we saw some of the demographic changes that happened during Trump. You know, uh, uh, put that next to the fact that this is also a governor's race. And so you're going to get a lot of Republicans out to the polls because I do think that DeSantis is the odds on favorite there. I feel like Republic, uh, Florida is tilting more Republican and putting to brand name previous statewide winners on the same ballot in Rubio and DeSantis is going to be hard for anyone to beat in either race. But we'll see. Smart, smart, smart people who have signed on to our Patreon, TakePoliticsSeriously.com, joined us at the $3 and above level already. Enjoy their bonus episodes as they come in. Their custom RSS feeds that they enter into the podcast player of their choice, set it and forget it. Takes 10 minutes. Never worry about it again. Just get the podcast episodes that you pay for delivered right where you enjoy podcasts. And on Mondays, brand new look ahead episode. We said that one of the big narratives of this week was going to be the January 6th commission. This negotiated on a bipartisan level between members of the Democrats and Republicans in the House was to be a 9-11 style commission looking in to the origins and aftermath of the January 6th Capitol riots. I mentioned that it was definitely going to pass the House, which it certainly is. But now it is even more complicated. House uh, Republican leader Kevin McCarthy has come out against the January 6th commission, not only making it a harder road to get the votes in the House, which I do think it has already secured, but also all but dooming it already slim chances in the Senate. If you wanted to know context on stuff like that, 
If you wanted to see that happening before it happened on Tuesday, if you wanted to know about exactly what was going on from Monday morning, well, there's only one place you can do it if you want to hear it from my mouth, and it is Take Politics Seriously. Com. Sign up at the $3 level. Make sure you have PX3 as your first podcast on Monday morning. Again, that is TakePoliticsSeriously.com. Sign up at the $3 level for two bonus podcasts a week. Woo! 104 bonus podcasts if you're signed up for a year. It's a lot of hooch. Welcome to the show, Mom. Well, thank you very much. Uh, this might be a disaster. You're terrified to do this. Uh, <laughs> you, you, I'm doing. You, you are. You're doing it against your will. Yes. But uh, this is a weird time in the political calendar. It is uh, a year away, more than a year away from an election that usually people don't care about, the midterms. True. We're the farthest away from the election that people actually care about for president. Presidential. So, uh, since we don't have a ton of, of relevant things that I can pick your brain on, I figured we would do something that, uh, it's a conversation I think we've never really had and now we're having for the first time on mic and that is just to go back in time and and just talk about every presidential election that you were able to vote in who you voted for who you liked who you didn't like so i have i have all my i have i have have wikipedia open we have our we have our prep and we're going to go through your presidential voting record are you ready jeez i hope i remember All right, I'm ready. Are you ready? All right, so you would have been first eligible to vote in the 1976 election. That is Jimmy Carter versus Gerald Ford. The 76 election. Yeah. What do you remember? What do you remember about Jimmy Carter and and Gerald Ford? Oh, I only remember the Jimmy. Or now you have to remember, I was probably seventeen or eighteen yeah. years old. Yeah. So I mean, it was very. It was not something I thought about. I had other priorities at that stage of my what life. What were your priorities? Getting high, partying. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. I was fresh out of high school. Yeah. I had a car. I was, and you, you were know, in Florida at the time. I was in Florida and South Florida. So it's interesting that you say that because so this is I coming would have, out of Watergate. Like, I would have been 18 in 76. Okay. November 14 of 76. Oh, so you were just ineligible. Correct. So you so, were just on the other side. So you did not actually have a vote, but you were as close as you can get by a couple days. I just missed it probably by two weeks, maybe. I mean, it was yeah. probably the beginning of November was that election. And I did not turn 18 until the 14th of November. Pissed off? No. This sucks. I probably didn't care this at that point. All I remember about Jimmy Carter is he was a peanut farmer. <laughs> he, uh, wasn't, he wasn't cool to the kids. Cause that's the, that's the thing is a lot of these outsider candidates and Jimmy Carter was really the original outsider candidate. Jimmy yeah. Carter became 
an icon largely because the Democrats finally changed their primary system that used to be very, very rigid. So all the things we talk about in Raise the Dead, uh-huh. where you really had to like know the party elders and you had to be kind of you blessed had to be by connected it. in the right way. Uh, the the primaries officially sort of change and Jimmy Carter is the first time that like uh the he was not really system, a politician. Well he was a politician. I mean he was a Georgia politician. He he was an outsider to the modern power structure right, of that time. At that time. Correct. Uh, and so yeah, he was a peanut farmer and you know he he was looked at as in a lot of ways this kind of new model of what Democratic power could be got, yeah. got it. Got Democratic power out of the you know Northeast, mm-hmm. uh, which you know had kind of been recalibrated after Kennedy. You know, it, it proved that a Southern politician could could still win, which mm-hmm. the, the the Democrats had largely been Southern based. But also, I guess for South Florida at that time, was it? Where, where, where you grew up, where you were in, in Fort Lauderdale, like, uh, did you think of it as like the South or, or was it as it, you know, kind of became as I was growing up, like it, it's its own weird it was, entity. It was it, because it was such a melting pot. Yeah. And, and I didn't really feel like it was the South. I felt like there were more people there from every other part of the country and the world, actually. It was really my first foray into meeting people from all over the place. Yeah. Um, so, no, I didn't really think of, even though it is about as South as you can get, I didn't ever really feel like Florida was truly representative of the South, that, not like Georgia and Alabama. So and, that, and I say that in the context of Carter to say like there, there, there would not seem in Fort Lauderdale or, and certainly not Miami to be a kinship to like, Oh, the Georgia governor is, is the is, nominee and he, he might be president in the way that you might get that in like Jacksonville. No, like, no, but I didn't know is, how like there is an element of like the Southern flair to South Florida. Like there still is like the big, you know, kiss chili cook off where, you know, you, you see plenty of big yeah, trucks. And, country. And yeah. Country, more yeah. country. But, um, but it's not, it, it's a part of the mosaic as opposed to the dominant culture. Exactly. Element of it. Exactly. It's, uh, but, but I didn't know how, like, was there more of it? And it just got, it got whittled away by more New Yorkers no, moving in. And, you know, it, no. it just always was this. It was always land a of huge, toys. exactly. It was always a huge melting pot. I mean, uh, most everyone you would meet was from New York, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, you know, everybody had relocated and, you know, and then of course there was the oh, very strong Latino uh, population even at that time. So, so uh, uh, Carter does not sweep uh, the the excitement of of the youth in the way that like a Bernie no. Sanders has like captured uh, uh, the the young people of America. No, but when or I that, that matter that four years was a total transformation for me. The four years between the time he was elected and the next election. Gotcha. Because during that time, I got married. We moved. We wanted to buy a house. Interest rates were through the roof. Okay. At that time. 
uh, 10 or 11% for a mortgage. You know, you just bought a house. You can imagine how yeah. that would um, that would affect complicated things. how that would yeah. affect your ability to be able to afford to pay a monthly payment. So I remember the economy so being wow, that is. So you go from I, I probably wouldn't. I probably wouldn't have voted even if I could vote. I'm just here to get uh, get lit and have a good and time. have a good time. And then the next presidential election, you're like, but uh, goddamn these interest rates. Am I right? <laughs> It was a total transformation for me, but I, I had a soft spot in my heart for Carter, especially through the Iran Contra scandal. How, how did you experience that? I felt like Carter did all the right things, especially, you know, doing everything that he possibly could to try and get that whole situation resolved in uh-huh. some way. And of course it went on for, I think a year, it was yeah. ridiculous. Um, and then, you know, he left office and Reagan came in and, uh, you know, Reagan got all the credit yeah. for getting the, the hostages out and Carter basically got kicked off to the side. And I actually wrote him a letter. You wrote Jimmy Carter a letter. I did. I wrote him a letter because I was so moved by the whole situation. And I really felt like he was just got the the short end of the stick. Did you ever get anything back? I did. You did? I did. I have the letter. From, is it from Carter? Yeah. yeah. You have a letter from Jimmy Carter? Yes. Where? I How might I not know this. <laughs> In my file at home, when I get home, I'll take a picture of it and send it to you. (laughs) Can I put it in my office? Sure. I'll send it to you. You can put it in your office. Yeah. (laughs) A a letter handwritten or typed? No, it was typed, typed, but it was signed by, you know. By Jimmy Carter. Yeah. Look at that. Yeah. Oh my God. So yeah, I'll, I'll dig that out when I get home and I'll, I'll, I'll text it to you and then I'll send you the now, original so you said, can so you can said, frame it. It's now 1980. <laughs> 1980. Who'd you vote for? I voted for Reagan. <laughs> even you, even you. You're I like, voted. I feel so sad, so bad for you, Jimmy Carter. But sorry, homie, you, you got you to gotta get the hell out of here. I voted for Reagan. <laughs> I felt bad. I liked Car. He was a good man. And I felt like he, he just, he cared and, you know, he had a big heart and, but I, I, I just didn't feel like he was the right. He, he was the guy. He just, I just didn't feel like he was the right one to, to lead the country, to get us out of this, this, the doldrums that we were in with the economy. So yeah, yeah. There, so there's, I, there's I did. A, I, I voted for Reagan. There's a big recession. The interest yeah. rates just got high. It there's was a gas shortage. It was crazy. It was absolutely yeah. crazy. <laughs> there's a gas shortage. Israel and Palestine were fighting, you know, like stuff that you couldn't even imagine these days. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> nothing like history more, repeating itself. Change, right. The they stay the same. Yep. Exactly. So Reagan comes in in 80 and you just think like, hey, Carter's a very sweet man, but you want to know what? He'd be doing better building houses for people than he would be in the White House. Yes. So he comes out. Yes. Uh, what are your thoughts about 
candidate Reagan and uh, and and well, I mean, President Reagan. You know, just like everybody else. And, and again, I was still very young at this time, even though I was married and a homeowner. New but mother. still, no, I wasn't a new mother oh, yet. Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 I wasn't a oh, new yeah, mother we're yet. About Eighty. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we still got three years. Yep. And. Um, you know, but he was very charismatic uh, and there's just no denying that he was very charming. And, you know, to me, I just thought, ah, oh, this guy really sounds like he knows what he's doing. So let's give him a shot because we need to turn things around here. Yeah. You know, and he did. The economy did turn around. So, you know, yeah, I voted for Reagan. Uh, and then 84. Rolls was around. That's Reagan, Reagan again. versus. I believe that was Reagan Mondale. Oh yeah, I definitely voted for Reagan again. <laughs> As a matter of fact, at that point, I think I actually changed my party affiliation to Republican. Really? I'm pretty sure I did. It was sometime between in the Reagan era that I changed my party affiliation to Republican. Well, you were in good company. That uh, to this date is the biggest modern blowout in yeah. uh, a presidential history. That was a 525 uh, electoral, electoral votes. votes for Reagan, 13 Minnesota votes for the hometown boy, Walter Mondale. And that was the lone state yeah. that he carried. Yeah. But I mean, imagine that now. I mean, like New York... Winning, uh, you know, New Taking York Taking the Republican, California, Texas. Well, Texas was already, yeah. But yeah, all the big blue states, even. Oh, I'm sorry. Mondale also won D.C. He, he won, won D.C.? D.C. Yeah. had its own electoral. Yeah, D.C.'s got a couple. A couple electoral I, votes. I didn't think they did. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Okay. I didn't know that. Yeah, I they, thought it was only in, the in that, states in, in that election. It is uh, three. No, because you know all the, all the protectorates. Like Guam gets like uh, gets one. Yeah, yeah. There's there's uh, you know you'll always see it when they do the the conventions. So it's, they and get electoral votes, but they don't get a they don't get senators or representatives. No. Okay. I hope I think that that's right. I mean, yeah. If it's, if it's not, then somebody can correct me. I'm, yeah. I'm going to leave it in. Okay. Uh, so anyway, yeah. So, so I voted for Reagan, Reagan eighty and eighty four. And, and you become a registered Republican. And I become a registered Republican. Uh, and 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 at that point, what is the thing that that kind of turns you off from the Democrat Party, the the, the Democratic well, Party? And at again, that time? it wasn't so much you know what anyone stood for or what was you know their platforms. It was all about the fact that the economy was now thriving. Yeah. And I was able to, you know, buy a house that wasn't at 10% interest rate on my mortgage. And, you know, everything was just working better. And here I am again, just a a young mom. And at this point now a mom in 83 and uh, then again in 86. And so, you know, yeah, all those things of everything working better. And I, you know, I was enjoying the the fact that, you know, we were able to build and buy a house in, in, in 83 in before Texas. you were born. Yeah. We built a house. We bought property, built a house. Then we bought another one in Orlando. Cost, if you don't mind me saying, mind me asking. Um, a new build in, it was a new Fort build Worth, in Fort Worth, Texas. Texas. I know we spent about $18,000 for the piece of land and that served as our, 
down payment. And I think to build the house, it was probably a little over a hundred thousand dollars. Wow. So yeah. And we, it was a beautiful house. Yeah. I have no memory of that house. Well, you were just a baby. I was nine legend road. Nine. Benbrook, Texas was the address. Oh, that's nine. Well, it was a suburb of Fort Worth. Suburb of Fort Worth. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But the address was 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 the coolest address. In the, uh, in, in the Metroplex. Yeah. 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 How'd you like Dallas? It, it wasn't really Dallas. It was Fort well, Worth. I mean, yes, but, but, but how well, the, it was the, okay, the, the, the but Metroplex, it was very Texas. Yeah. We're here in Austin. It's not as Texas as Dallas and Fort Worth was Texas. I, I like, I like to say that very often I'm in Austin, but every once in a while you're in Texas. You're in Texas. Yeah. Like <laughs> it's like, uh, it was like one of those things where it's like, walking down the street and uh you know you see like oh like cbd stores and head shops and bars and stuff like that and i'm like ah, this it's isn't really Austin. all that different from from oakland area. yeah and then it's easter and everything's closed and you're like now this is this is some texas, texas. Things. Uh, because everything is open on easter in the bay area yeah they, 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 they might open double to to, to spite easter yeah uh, yeah yeah so anyway um that was, that was all I was thinking. I was just like, okay, things are going well. I want them to continue to go well. I don't really care what everybody stands for. Voted Reagan two times in a Voted row. Voted Reagan. Yep. Uh, 88. Uh, this is George H.W. Bush versus Michael Dukakis. Ooh. So, uh, you know, very much uh, the Reagan dynasty. I mean, uh, he, he really he rides. Uh, I Reagan, think Ra- I Reagan. voted for Bush. Re- well, Reagan rode until the wheels fall off. Uh, and, and by that, I mean, his brain was slowly turning. To yeah. Pudding. Yeah. Uh, George H.W. Bush. I was, think I voted for Bush senior. I'm pretty sure I did because I don't think I voted for Dukakis. I, I can't say that with. A hundred percent certainty, but I'm probably about 90 percent that, yes, I voted for for Bush. For Bush over. Over Dukakis. Over Dukakis. I don't remember why. Again, it was probably just because, hey, things are going good. Let's just keep on a roll. Yeah. And that's probably what I was thinking. What are your what are your thoughts on George H.W. Bush at the time? Like, do you just think like, eh, whatever, like Reagan can't run again. Uh, let's just keep it in there. Like, do you it's have just, no personal? Just keep. I didn't really have any. Uh, so nobody at this point kind of captures your imagination like Carter, who you like threw out of office and um, then changed parties. I know. I, so I you loved Carter felt that much. so bad because he was such a nice man, but. And he's still look at what he's doing today. I mean, what a what a big heart well, he has. Not but leaving his house. Unfortunately, like you know, having a big heart is not necessarily what it takes to sure. run the country. So, but at that point, he's like the only politician that that you have had any kind of like warm feelings. Like you're not like like yeah, like like I I look up to Reagan or I look up to, you know, to George H uh, W Bush. No, they're just no. like hey, keep turning the widget. Whatever, if, whatever you're doing with the economy, stuff's keep going. working, I just don't want to have to pay. I don't have to wait online to get gas. I want to be able to go and buy and get credit if I need it. I wanted to be able to just do things that were 
normal everyday life better. Just yeah. You know, and that's something I think, you know, when whenever we talk about the economy on the show, one of my favorite analogies is just like the economy is either like a passive benefit to a president right. or a passive negative yeah. to a president. And it's like there are, you know, there are reasonable debates on exactly how much the president affects, affects the economy. Uh, yeah, affects mm-hmm. the economy. Mm-hmm. I tend to believe that like a good economy happens for reasons beyond the president, but a president can screw up a good economy. Yes. Like, like th- th- there are things that a president can do to, to kind of to make it worse, to make it bad. Yes. Uh, you just kind of want to like, just not go with the flow, just go with the flow, go with uh, the flow. But, but so, that, so then, and that is an example at this point, you would say you are a, a single issue voter on the economy. Yeah. That I was, mean, that was what, it was young family. You're just, you're just trying to, I'm make just sure trying to survive. Yeah. And you know, and, and if it was going good, I just wanted it to keep going. That was, that was all I cared about at the time. And so at this point you are, uh, you were, you're working, right? You were, you were never oh, a stay I was at home always mom. working. Yeah. Always working. Uh, yeah. Your husband is in the the booming telecommunications yeah. industry. Yeah. Very beginning of, of pagers and high tech pagers that you would get like a little digital readout, you know, that would like a little pen that you would put in your pocket. And oh, so, yeah. yeah, things were really coming along no, with I the remember, technology. Yeah, he would bring... He brought home the, one of the, the first, first mobile, mobile phones. phones and it with that big battery pack that Just you'd have to a, carry around. Uh, it was about 20 pounds. A hernia in a satchel. <laughs> like, so you could talk on the phone at, like in the worst quality for exactly. like five seconds. <laughs> exactly. Like, you had to charge it for three days yep. and it got five minutes and, of talk time and, your and phone, it sounded like your it was a tin can. phone was like as thick as a brick. Yeah. You know, the part you would hold to your ear was like this big, long, heavy piece of equipment that you would just, and I, I can still remember calling into my office when I was going to work one day, we were living in Orlando at the time. Yeah. And, um, I can remember sitting in traffic on I-4 going into downtown Orlando and calling my office from one of dad's you know, uh, portable cell phones. And, uh, I can remember my coworker saying to me, Oh, is everybody looking at you because you're talking on the phone while you're driving? And, you know, so it was really such a novelty at the time, but, um, but yeah, so yeah, he was in the booming, uh, telecommunications business and I was working in law. So I was this working is another, for lawyers. This is another big, uh, uh, another big transformative four years because yeah. you are, you are, uh, 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 things are, are, are booming. You're voting for the economy. You've got a husband and, and two kids. Yep. Uh, and then by the time that 92 rolls around, uh, 92, who was are, running you are, then? You are Divorced. Then by then you we were a single mom. Yeah. Uh, uh, with two, still with two kids. Yeah. Uh, wow. Uh, so that's right. So that was like another huge change for me. Who was running then? Well, this is a big one. Uh, George H.W. Bush, the incumbent. Ross Perot, the uh, to this the point independent, a, a the most successful independent right. candidacy we have seen right. in the modern era. Right. And your winner, Bill Clinton. I think I voted for Clinton. You voted for Clinton. Yeah. So now this is something that I'm always fascinated by because you're not somebody that 
until very recently, I think became super politically aware. Mm -hmm. But this is why I wanted to talk to you about all this, because there are just trends that we just that you know in politics. And one of them is it's really hard to keep the a party in office for more than two for, terms. Right. Like uh, and three terms it, like to go to four is very hard. And, right. And I think it's partly because people are just like they're kind of tired of them. <sighs> we need a change. No. Change. We need a change. Yeah. So do you remember like the 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 saxophone, the you know, him playing the saxophone on Arsenio Hall or the like like I I didn't inhale or like there was a lot of like Bill Clinton being the cool guy. <laughs> like he he got it was a, it was like an MTV thing where people asked him boxers or briefs and he and he and he gave an answer on what his underwear was. Like it was a lot of uh, uh, quirky sort yeah. of uh, things that, uh, that that didn't break into your honestly there was I think similar to Reagan who I found very charismatic I think that was also in my naivety I believe that Clinton just sort of captured my kind of attention with yeah. his charisma and um, and again I think at that point and it could have had something to do with perhaps the economy was not the greatest. But at that point, I just kind of felt like, all right, it's time for a change. The other thing with Clinton that's fascinating is that he wasn't even supposed to win the Democratic primary. Like if if we had the kind of political coverage that we have now, I think that would be more well remembered that he was. He was much like in the, the way underdog that was much in the way that. Uh, Kennedy was like, nobody mm -hmm. really thought for sure he was going to break through. Paul Sungus was the, was like the, the favorite the, the front runner. Really? And, uh, and I don't uh, even remember that name. Governor Jerry Graham uh, ran from uh, California. California. Yep. Yep. That uh, sounds vaguely familiar. And Clinton beat them all. And, yeah. and kind of like it, it's, you know, it just popped up and there were the Clintons and, and we were still not rid of them. Right. <laughs> They're still hanging They're around. They're still around. Yeah. I mean, there must've been something and I guess I wasn't the only one because, you know, um, he was charismatic enough that, um, you know, he did it. He what pulled it off. What do you remember off. about uh, Ross Perot? Were you ever, were you ever tempted to, to be a Perot voter? I, I thought he was a little, um, a little off the wall. Yeah. But actually my significant other, Tim, he was a big Perot fan and voted for him. Yeah. He voted for him. So there were a lot of people, I mean, that, that really liked him. It was, it's crazy to look at how much more competitive he was than anybody who's run third Any party Any other sense. independent, sure. He really kind of broke the mold. There, there are... Uh, there's one poll and I've done a thing on, on the show about it, but there's a poll that has him leading like three months before, uh, before the election. Yeah. Like it's not like, it was like prime time for election season. Now, some of that is a little fudgy because, um, you know, our, 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 our appetite for watching an election season has kind of grown yeah. infinitely. And it's a lot but easier. And I don't think, I think only real nerds 
like followed and, it. Yeah. Like you had to be really into uh, politics to be like, like, all right, I'm plugged in. But still a, a, a poll a po- is, is a poll. And he was leading both H.W. Bush and Clinton. And then he fired his campaign manager because he said that they were CIA plants like uh, he. Yeah, he, he. So he could have been uh, to some extent uh, his own his own worst enemy at that point. Well, he ran initially because of like Texas beef with the Bushes. Oh, like he there was there was like some Texas there was huge competition beef, between like, between those two. And that's why he thought that they were CIA plants because H.W. Bush came out of the CIA. I see. Well, so that was he might have been right. He also might have been crazy. Um, <laughs> so 92 Clinton. Now, at this point, do you remain a Republican or do you switch to to be a, a Democratic? No, party I think voter? at that point, I think at that point. I might have, I think when I moved back to Florida and I got my Florida driver's license, I remember them saying, do you want to register to vote? And I'm like, yeah, sure. And uh, your party affiliation. And at that point, I think I changed to Democrat at that point. Yeah. In 90, in 91, when I moved back. Gotcha. Um, I'm pretty sure that was the point where I changed back to Democrat. Is there a point where other issues start to become more of a reason to vote for somebody or, or were you just a straight economic uh, economy voter at that point? Yeah. I mean, again, at that point I was still raising kids, supporting a family. I just had so many other things on my plate. I didn't have time to think about it. be. In my face, is, uh, things should just run and I should not think of you. I don't have to think about it. Yeah. I just, you know, just let me get through the day. Let me get through the week. Let me get through the month. Let my kids not be drug addicts and, you know, derelicts. And yeah. I just want to live my life in it. I just want to be comfortable. Well, I mean... Your, your, your kids were, uh, what, uh, 10 and seven. So <laughs> no, like, but I mean, at that point it was like, you guys pretty... were teetering on teenage years. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I'm so like that, that becomes and more that was, of a focus. That yeah. was like a huge concern for me. It was like, I, I just, this is the point where kids well, what go about bad. This, this, this drug permissive Bill Clinton. Well, you know, I always had a very open mind about, certain things when it came to, to, um, to drugs, smoking weed. And I, I, I mean, uh, there were certain drugs obviously that I thought were terrible and should be avoided, but I was very liberal when when it came came to to that. that. Yeah. And you know, I, I was okay with it. Yes. Yeah. No. Dank. (laughs) (laughs) Roll it up. (laughs) Puff, puff, pass. That's it. Right. Yeah. <laughs> what was next? Well, what's next is 96. That's Bill Clinton. And I voted running. for him again. And he runs over Bob Dole. Ross Perot does eventually run, but he's a total non-factor this yeah. time. Uh, yeah. Uh, Clinton. Yeah, I voted for Clinton again. I voted for him twice. All right. 2000. I'm now off to college. Oh, that's right. Oh, yeah. That I definitely voted for um, Al Gore. Bush Gore. I voted for Gore and I hated the, the junior Bush. I thought he was a complete moron. 
So you just thought the the the, the like he's he's uh, well, a at dumbass, this point like at this point I was a little bit more savvy, a little bit more involved. I paid a little bit more attention. Again, you know, you guys were already grown. You were going off to college. I just um, I just felt like every time George Bush opened his mouth, he just sounded like a complete idiot. And um, yeah, I didn't like him at all. So it was just because I didn't like him. I voted for Gore. What do you remember of that circus that happened in 2000? I remember right, it right being, in our backyard. I know. I remember it being like nerve wracking. I can remember standing there in front of the TV like, no, what do you mean? What's this hanging chads and all this crap they were going through? And and it was just so ridiculous. I, I just... I was just beside myself. I couldn't believe the whole thing was going on. I, I thought it was just absolutely absurd that it had gotten to that point. So, yeah, that was. Now, did you vote in that election? I was not old enough. You weren't old enough My yet. First, I don't think I was. Well, you were already in college. No, so you were probably. No, 2000 was, but I was still in high school. Oh, that's right. You started college in 2001. It was my senior year. but That's right. Yeah. That's right. Okay. But no, yeah, my, my science teacher, Mr. Friedman, shout out to Mr. Friedman. Uh, he volunteered to go count votes. Oh, he did? In the yeah. recount? In the recount, yeah. Wow. To go talk to, uh, look at dimpled and yeah. hanging. and hanging chads. chads. Yeah. Well, who even heard of anything like a hanging chad before that election? It was, it was, my, was, it was the greatest it was time like of my life. No God, such it was thing. so good. <laughs> so good. <laughs> Uh, 2004 Bush versus Kerry. Oh God. Well, again, we're, 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 we're we're into the Iraq war. I still hated Bush. It's post nine 11. I voted for Kerry, even though I was not thrilled with him either, but I disliked Bush. Why weren't you thrilled? I just felt like Kerry was sort of like a, he didn't really (laughs) move me in any way. He just sort of felt like he had like, he was like a dish rag. I, I just, I didn't really, he just didn't move me. I, I didn't feel like he was going to be dynamic in any way. He was and also a very weird, uh, an ill-fitting suit that they tried to make him cool. Like they tried to really play wasn't. up the like, he's the new Kennedy, like his, his uh, rich wife is a super cool. They're going to bring glamour back to the, the, the white house. And yeah, it was like, yeah, no, but again, I just disliked Bush so much. Um, I feel like it's Bush that really kind of hardens your political stance. Cause as we've it was kind of the gone beginning through, of even me, when you're, yep. even when you're voting for Reagan, you very much like Carter you obviously, as we've walked through, we, you've you voted. You tend to vote for winners, uh, uh, you know, up until uh, this point where, you, where, where right. you're betting against Bush. Like, right. you've you've tended to vote for winners, uh, and and it's here I feel like with Bush that you're like, no, I'm a Democrat. Like that. That's I vote for Democratic candidates. Yeah, and again, it it was never so much about the party. It was more about because look. 
the whole concept and difference between Republicans and, and Democrats and the Republicans believe in the big business and the trickle down. And if big business does good, then everybody else does good. The Democrats have always been more for the people. And, you know, so, yes, I kind of feel like the people are the ones that need to be out there and represented more. But at the same time, it was it was it was it was never really so much about about the party for me. It was about the the candidate and the quality of that person. And I either, when they spoke and they made sense to me, I'm like, okay, I like this person or I dislike this person so much. I'm not crazy about the other one, but I dislike this one so much that I have to vote for the other one. And that was basically the way it was both times with, with, W. It was W the, it was the junior. W is the junior. Yeah. yeah, yeah. W. I, I just thought he was just a complete moron every time he opened his mouth. So that moves us to 2008. Yeah. And I voted for Obama. Do you remember that fight? Uh, the, the, the primary fight, the, the. Obama uh, ran against who? Clinton, Hillary Clinton. This that was supposed to be Hillary Clinton's. No, 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 no. But okay, but that was the demo, the, the primary. The primary. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, he ran no. against McCain. Oh, that's right. He did run against McCain. That's right. Um, do I remember the primary fight? But really, it's like him winning the primary in a lot of ways wound up being kind of his. That was the defining win. I think you know. Once we got to the general. You know, McCain's uh, campaign was kind of a mess. Like he he throws the Hail Mary with Palin that oh, like God. works really well for about a week and a half and oh. then ages like McDonald's fries. Honestly, uh, and is a major drag. Like if McCain had picked a different running mate, I can still remember you calling me when he chose Palin yeah. as his running mate. And you're like, Mom. Uh, what do you think? McCain's got a female running rate. You're going to running mate. Are you going to vote for him? And I'm like that moron. <laughs> <laughs> She's a complete idiot. I wouldn't. If, if McCain had picked another running mate, I might've voted for McCain. Really? I, I think it was Palin that turned me off on him. Yeah. That's how much I disliked her because she was just like this airhead. I was like, Appalled well, yeah, that was that it, he took her in. The problem was at the time, uh, she was, I believe, the governor who had the highest approval rating. She had uh, been she had gotten like there's old articles that you can read written about her when she's governor mm-hmm. where like she even gets positive press from like left leaning outlets oh. uh, because they really play up working mom, super high achieving female like that element of her. And that right. story is there. The problem was when she got to the big stage, she was not ready for it. She, she thought she was that that she knew a lot more than she did. And and she just totally self-destructed. Uh, she was just embarrassing. But I mean, in a lot of ways, the Palin archetype is something that we've our modern world has a lot more Palins than McCain's. Yeah, a lot of very polarizing. You either love them or you hate them. That way, the persecution that happens is like either 
If you hate them, you're like, good, persecute them. If you love them, you're like, they're, they're going unfairly hard against the, the person that I really like. Yeah. Uh, like she, she was a very uh, genre redefining politician. See, I, once she opened her mouth, I didn't even really qualify. I wouldn't even qualify her as a politician. Yeah. And she was just, she, every time she spoke, she just reinforced my opinion that she was just a complete moron. So you weren't swept up <laughs> in, in Obama mania. No, I wasn't. I wasn't. Um, but I'm, I, like I said, if it wasn't that McCain had picked Palin as his running mate, I may have voted for McCain because I liked him. I liked him. Yeah. You know, I knew you were a big fan of his. Well, he was the, the uh, he might be the only politician that I ever like actually like liked as as a, a kid. And then I read more about politics and I'm like, oh, good God. Like nobody should ever be revered in this. <laughs> in this, this way. A, this is a very dirty place. Like, like you should you should root for them in the way that you root for horses at a horse track. Like. <laughs> Just know that like, well, one then of you them, obviously read a lot more about him than I did. Well, but. no, no, it wasn't him per se, although there certainly are a, a lot of, uh, a lot of, uh, uh, you know, McCain critics, but no, for me, the issue was, um, I liked McCain in 2000 when he was running against W Bush. Yes. Uh, and that can we tell the story of what you did when you got the um, scholarship from the Young Democrat Society? I did. All right. So <laughs> I uh, I wanted a McCain 2000 T-shirt. And so I went to their website and I and I bought it and uh, it came back hand addressed. Mm -hmm. Didn't even have a label, a printed uh, a, label, a printed right? label. I was hand addressed and, and uh, like a note came with it and everything. And I'm like, right. oh, wow, that, that's, that's super cool. So there's some essay writing contest yep. uh, and like it's for the Florida young Democrats. Young Democrats. That's so right. I wrote an essay and I won. You won. The, the thing. And, and there uh, I was for you getting your, your scholarship. I was yeah. there at the, the presentation. I was there. And so and I And you read were up at the podium. Essay. I was right? reading my essay. Right. And it's about the John McCain t-shirt. Yep. And so I took the McCain t-shirt. And you, during my speech, I draped it in front of, of the, the young podium. Democrats logo. <laughs> And there was like gasps in the room, like, <gasps> yeah, like everyone was like shocked. That. Yeah, I remember, <laughs> I remember them just being shuffling around, like, do, I, do we like punch him? Like, like what? Like, everyone was just like appalled. Like, they were like, what? And the I'm like, hell? I'm like, oh is my he, god, he's Justin, leave it there the entire time. What did you time? do? I just thought it I was thought funny. they were going to take the, the the scholarship away from you. Good, I can suck it. <laughs> Whatever. It was just funny. I just thought it was a funny thing to cover that their logo. Was classic Justin Young. Um. So, so anyway, two, yeah. So 2008, 2008 Obama, Obama 2012, 2012 Obama, Obama versus Mitt Romney. Did you, did you give Did you give Mittens a look? No. I liked what Obama was doing. I thought he was doing a, a phenomenal job, and I voted for him again. And that, of course, brings us to 2016. Uh, and you know who I supported at that point. But um, yeah, I, that was another case of I wasn't overly thrilled with Hillary, but I just despised the other one. Something that you 
I remember hearing from you uh, around that time where with Trump and especially because it ran over Hillary that you very much took personally the idea that like, here's another blowhard like guy who thinks he knows everything that's like uh, going to take this from a woman who that does is more know. qualified. Yeah. Right? She was way more qualified. And I think that that <coughs> is that something I know we had that conversation back then. Is that something yeah. that now you, that, 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 that still feels as personal or like, why did that election get under your skin in a way that no other election that we went through did? Well, I mean, there were a combination of things just, you know, mainly because I felt like he was so abrasive. I felt like he was just nothing but a spoiled rich kid troublemaker that was just going to talk a lot and not really get anything done. Yeah. And um, I just felt like, you know, the as far as experience, he had none. Yeah. You know, he had a lot of money and that was or at least everybody he appeared to have a lot of money. Um, but beyond that, that was where it ended. There was nothing of any, there were no qualifications for him to be president of the United States. And um, yeah, I just felt like it was just so wrong. And all of my fears about him proved to be true. Every single one of them. You know, the one thing that you did vote for repeatedly is the economy. The economy was doing really well. And now, obviously, the pandemic Puts a whole different different spin, spin. on it. Um, but, yeah, but I, don't, I don't think that even if the economy was was exploding and there was no pandemic that that you, I would have ever voted. Yeah, for, you no, were, you were out. I from was the jump that out was because of that man yeah. and his personality and his style. It was totally opposite of what I felt was what was necessary to be a proper leader of one of the greatest countries in the world. And, you know, he, in fact, like I said, kind of proved all of my greatest fears to be true. He alienated us amongst many of the other leaders in this, in the world. And who cares about that? Let's not even get into all of that. But at any rate, everybody knows how I feel about him. France can, they can. Everybody knows how I feel about him. No, that has defined your, your modern commentary. Yeah. But uh, yeah. See, this was easy. You yeah, were worried about it. wasn't so bad. Yeah. Wasn't it was a nice so bad. little stroll down, uh, down, down memory, memory lane. lane. Yeah. And you didn't know about my letter to Carter. You, I, I need that. <laughs> uh, uh, last question and then we'll, 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 we'll wrap it up. Yeah. You have now voted Democrat. What? For, Since. Um, so Clinton twice, Obama twice. Right. And then against Trump twice. So now right. you are on a. Six. Uh, a six election streak. Yeah. Do you think you will ever vote for a Republican for president? It depends. Again? I Possibly. Yeah. If there's a candidate out there that moves me and seems like they're, you know, they're competent and they're saying things that make sense to me, then yeah. Uh, again, I'm, I'm not totally opposed to Republican principles. Yeah. 
It's it's the person that's going to represent like w, it. You, and, and you didn't like Palin and you didn't like Trump. That was right. That was. And uh, those were my basically my deciding factors at the time. I, I wished I could say that they were much more about the issues, but it was really just kind of those gut feelings I get when I hear people speak. And that's what's fascinating, because when you talk about polarization, that's kind of what we're talking about is the idea that like, all right are the people that actually get Republicans to go and vote, which that's the thing with like, when you talk about Trump's influence in the party, this isn't something that people just decide he should be or shouldn't be in the party. Mm -hmm. Like he gets Republicans to vote and he gets other people who aren't Republicans to vote. Mm -hmm. Are those personalities now necessarily always going to be the people that you don't like as a more democratic leaning voter. Like if you are, if you are a, a, a democratic leaning independent, so you're swayable. Right. But like, are the Democrats always going to be people that alienate the right and the Republicans always going to be people that alienate the left? Because those are the personalities. Like when you get to be president now, it's very rare that, you know, maybe Biden's the closest thing that we've had to it. Just a like, oh, he's a guy. Mm. It's like W, the devil. Yeah. Like Obama, the devil. Right, right. Trump, the, 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 the devil of all devils yeah. who deviled uh, in, 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 the, in, in the, the devil town. Like, yeah. Uh, and and, and I, I wonder whether or not part of that is how we define polarization like is is are those people just the most electorally viable yeah i mean you know i i truly believe that social media is behind all of that no i mean because like we barely had we had friendster when when uh george w bush was hitler well, old enough to remember that George W. Bush was Hitler and not a famous yeah, painter. Yeah, but by the time by the time Obama came around and the internet was, you know, was well out there by then, and oh, we you can know, and, see more and of it. information was being passed much easier, and people were sharing things that may or may not have been factual, and you know, it was the beginning of of the polar the the extreme polarization that we're experiencing. We have now. become more polarized. I think that the, the, no the, question about it. it, it I, I mean, and I, if, if we could just get away from, you know, these diehard, uh, I don't know. I don't know what's the future of politics and how it's all going to work out because it just seems to me like it's, it's gone completely off the rails. Yeah. You know, especially with what's happening now with, you know, the promoting, continuing to promote the the election fraud theories. And I just think it makes him sound like a loser. Like that's just um, it's just a bad like a, just a sore bad, loser, just a baby. I mean, like what if Hillary had promoted all of that? She it, did. And she sounded like a loser every well, time she did it. But not to the extent that. That Trump has done. Yes, he did. Not for the, not the, the for the Russians stole the election. She said that the Russians stole the election. No, but I, I mean, and they did. They didn't. <laughs> the Russians bought Facebook ads. 
People are buying Facebook ads right now, trying to sell pop sockets and well, failing. Like, that's another whole conversation. She lost because she is Hillary and she's uniquely unlikable uh, because she's got a very defined history. She she does, and there there is no question. And they about underestimated that. Trump, like uh, in a way that uh, you know Biden didn't. Biden won. He also yeah. had the pandemic on his side, but. Uh, well, yeah. but how can you say so? Well, anyway, we don't want to get into that whole thing. So no, I, I'm just, I just think it was, it, it was, Hillary sounded terrible when she did it. And Trump sounds terrible when, when he does it. Any politician that. Yeah, but she, she dropped in and at least she, had, she called him and said, congratulations, you've won the election. Yes. You know, she, she admitted that the election was well, over. Also, she gave it up. Yeah. And and he continued there to was also, never yeah, there was admit also a, a yeah, there was a there was a call. So uh, that was a big there, there, there difference. was an AP call that night in in a way that there wasn't with uh, the the Biden Trump election. But yeah. look, you're right. Uh, 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 yeah. I I'm not here to cape up for Donald Trump to say that he that he was a good sport. No, right. he, was he was a baby and he, he is was a baby. big baby and he's continuing to be a big baby. But, uh but yeah. Anyway, All so right. There's that. So there you go. The There's my my voting history. History of Gloria Young. Thank you so much. <laughs> you are very welcome. Politics, politics, politics is written and hosted by me, Justin Robert Young, for Dog and Pony Show Audio here in Austin, Texas. One last thing out the door here: new poll in our New York City mayoral race sees Andrew Yang singing like a stone. Eric Adams is your new frontrunner, according to WPIX 11 and the Emerson College. Adams garnered 18% of the primary voters. Yang was in a second place tie with comptroller Scott Stringer, with each getting 15% of likely Democratic voters. With ranked choice voting, which is going to happen in New York. Uh, Adams was still ahead, but here's the headline. Yang support dropped in half, Eddie. He dropped 17% from the last time that WPIX ran this survey in March when he was favored by 32% of respondents. Hachi... Machi. What changed? Well, a lot of people are saying it's the fact that Yang took a strong stance on Israel. I would tend to believe that it's also more people tuning in, more New York City voters beginning to pay attention, maybe becoming uncomfortable with the idea that Andrew Yang is such an outsider, or at least outsider to politics, and also Endorsements have begun to come in and, you know, Yang hasn't quite cleaned up, I think, the way his campaign would have hoped. Of course, we will see going forward. Oh, also shout out to Claire Malone. Claire Malone did a great article. I believe it was in New York Magazine. But uh, all about Andrew Yang and specifically how some of the breakaway elements of the Bloomberg's campaign have been aiding his mayoral run. Hey, if you want to thank my mom for coming on this show, you can go to PX3 Guest.com. 
Com. Thank her for going through all of her, her her own political history. Hopefully you guys enjoyed that as much as I did. If you want to email me, it is theyoungamerican at gmail.com. Hit me up on Twitter at px3tweets. Twitch is px3live, where we are live Wednesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays. You can head there to also watch the videos of our live streams. And you can get the newsletter at px3newsletter.com. Share this podcast, px3podcast.com. And keep those COVID shots equals body shots. Pictures coming. Politics merch. Dot com. That's where you get that and any of our PX3 merch. If you want to give us a one-time donation, it is paypal.me slash payjury. If you want to be a Venmo buccaneer, throw me some Venmo money because Venmo money isn't real. It is Justin-Young-20. Shout out to Martin Sargent. The legend, the legend, what a delight it was to see Martin Sargent throw me a dollar on Venmo with the, uh, with the phrase tickles and boy, was I thank you. Good, sir. On cash app, it is PX three cash. You can also send anything physical, including Cash or unmarked bills to P.O. Box 153184, Austin, Texas 78715. Again, that is P.O. Box 153184, Austin, Texas 78715. One last time, you can always get your bonus content at TakePoliticsSeriously.com. $3 tier gets you two bonus podcasts per week covering all the news that we miss here on the free podcast schedule that comes out on Wednesdays and Fridays. But the $10 tier gets you that and your name read at the end of the show. Headphones, Neil, Dr. G, the other half of Whiskey Wednesday, Idris, Government Unfiltered Podcast, 100 Mile Runner, Berkeley, Stephen, Kathy, Max, Zombie Doc, D, Really? Methuselah, Honeythuckle, The Gen, Middle-Aged Mike, Dotcom Junkie, Calamity Zap, D-Laser, Lord Scale, De Quince, and Neil the Third, and Gloria Young for New World Order. Utah, Jimmy Montana, appraisers are awesome. Snaffies off Route 44. Miranda Janelle, Jenny, Robert, Casey, Paul, the most conscientious nonpartisan listeners, Brad, Charles, David, Olin, and Angela, DL, just another pilot, Frozen Summers, J Pink, and Andrew. If you want their your name added to theirs, one place to do it, and that is takepoliticsseriously.com. You know, we had a friendly interview on this episode, your Wednesday episode. My mom, maybe the most friendly interview that I could possibly book. But I've got a great voice that I am very proud to bring to the show. And that is of uh, one of the most industrious, hardworking, and and brilliant uh, folks that I ever had the chance to work with. And 
His name is Robert Howard. He's got a great new email uh, list that I think is super rad. And we're going to talk media. We grew up in media together. We have many media thoughts. I have not talked media with him in a very long time, but I'm excited to do it on Friday's episode. So you're going to want to download that one. I guarantee it. But until then, this is your old pal, Justin Robert Young, saying some shows talk about politics, others talk about politics, and still more discuss politics. But this, this is the only show that dares discuss Club hopes you have enjoyed this program. <laughs> Dog and Pony Show Audio. Diamond Club hopes you have enjoyed this program. <laughs> Dog and Pony Show Audio.